Welcome to First Line. My name is Aubrey Ann Jackson, and I am a PGY1 psychiatry resident physician. In this podcast, we discuss whole person health and wellness through an osteopathic lens, holistically addressing the body, mind, and spirit. We also discuss topics important to medical trainees, including pre-med students, medical students, and residents. Thanks for joining me. Hi, thanks for joining me. This episode is about surgical specialties, and this is part of a series of episodes that started with how to choose a medical specialty. So any specialty that a doctor can choose to pursue. So anyone graduating from a DO school or an MD school, how to choose what specialty you're going to go into. And then I had an episode focusing specifically on medical specialties, so those non-surgical specialties like family medicine, internal medicine, emergency medicine, psychiatry, things like that. This episode focuses on some additional specialties. So I'm going to start with surgical specialties. So these are ones that should be kind of self-explanatory that you're going to spend a lot of your time in the operating room not all of your time because you're still going to have patients that you see in the clinic so that you can assess them to see if they're a good fit for surgery. And then there are some surgeons that operate on a bit more of an emergent basis. So they might be assessing patients in the hospital or the emergency department to see if they are a candidate for surgery. So you're still using some medicine. You're not just operating your full work day. But in these specialties, the majority of the time is probably operating. And when there is management of medical conditions, they are primarily using surgery to address them. This is a little bit different than some other surgical specialties that I'll go into later that have a really great balance of medicine and surgery. And those are kind of combined medicine surgery specialties that still work a lot in the operating room, but they also have a few more techniques at their disposal. And they they tend to use more of the medicine side than some of these specialties do. So when I'm talking about these surgical specialties, the ones that I'm talking about is general surgery and any subspecialties beneath general surgery thoracic surgery, vascular surgery, neurosurgery, orthopedic surgery, and plastic surgery. So these are the ones I'll go into first. So general surgery, if you're a med student, this is probably the one you have the most exposure to. I know that's true for me. My surgery rotation was working exclusively with uh, general surgeons or general surgeons that subspecialize in colorectal surgery. So these are surgeons that, yeah, it says general surgery, but they, they are typically focusing on diagnosing and treating diseases primarily through surgery that affect the abdomen as well as uh, endocrine system. So they'll do with, like the thyroid surgeries, They will do breast surgery, which some surgeons will subspecialize in, and then also 
they may do surgery affecting the blood vessels, which is more common if there's not a vascular surgeon available because that's more of the vascular surgery domain. So, general surgeons will also treat patients that have physical trauma. So, they can also be used as the uh, acute, acute care team for a hospital. So, they are likely to be on call and when there's an emergency that requires surgery, the general surgeons are um, typically called if some of these other special uh, subspecialized surgeries are not available. But they, they can also treat patients on a non-emergent basis. So that means that a lot of times they're doing things like endoscopies. They can also use minimally invasive techniques that may not really look like the surgeries that you're kind of picturing with open incisions. Some of the bread and butter cases that general surgeons will see include things like gallstones, so doing cholecystectomies, taking out that gallbladder. Um, They may do a lot of hernia repairs, which a lot of times are done like laparoscopically. They are often uh, treating appendicitis just because it's it's so common and that can also be laparoscopic. They can uh, treat bowel obstructions and really anything with the colon, like colon cancer, colon inflammation, um, but they can also excise breast tumors. Uh, they can treat pancreatitis, like I said, thyroid disorders. So, a wide variety, which you would kind of expect under the term general surgery. And even if a surgeon's not fellowship trained, they may still carve out a niche for themselves. Like, if they're really good at cholecystectomies and they're part of a group practice, they may take all of the patients that have gallbladder complaints. And then some general surgeons like more of that trauma side of it, so they may do more of the emergent cases instead of spending as much time in the clinic to assess patients as candidates for like a a scheduled surgery like a hernia repair. So the training for general surgery is five years long, and then if they choose to do a fellowship after that to subspecialize. Uh, That is typically another year. Some other things that uh, they can operate on, especially if if it's a colorectal surgeon, they may focus a little bit more on the GI system. So, fixing um, hemorrhoids, fissures, abscesses, fistulas, polyps, any inflammatory conditions, and uh, cancer as well. In addition to Subspecializing in colorectal surgery as a fellowship option. There's also breast surgery, hand surgery, minimally invasive surgery, surgical critical care, surgical oncology, transplant surgery, vascular surgery, and then a cardiothoracic surgery, which is longer training, usually two to three years instead of one year. I'm often asked about what question banks to use to study for medical school board exams, and I always recommend TrueLearn. TrueLearn helped me score competitively on Comlex Level 1 and Level 2, 
shelf exams, and the USMLE Step 1 and Step 2. And I'm currently using their question bank to study for Level 3. I love TrueLearn's practice questions because they include detailed answer explanations and comprehensive analysis of how you're doing compared to your past progress and compared to your peers. I am so happy that FirstLine has partnered with TrueLearn. For a discount on your subscription, use the link in the episode description and use code FIRSTLINE at checkout. F-I-R-S-T-L-I-N-E. One word, no spaces, no capitalization. Another type of surgeon is the uh, thoracic surgeon or cardiothoracic surgeon. They focus on operations and also critical care of chest conditions. So that includes your airway and your circulatory system. Uh, There's a lot of important things in the chest. Um, So bread and butter can include coronary artery disease, any cancer that can affect the chest. So that's not just lung cancer, that can also be thyroid cancer and, and esophageal cancer. They can take care of heart valve abnormalities, and they can also perform transplants. So they many times work with injuries to the chest, so not just more of these chronic or congenital conditions, and they can treat anything with the esophagus and trachea as well from a surgical standpoint. They use a combination of invasive and non-invasive techniques, Um, But even those non-invasive techniques are very procedural heavy instead of medicine heavy. And they can use all of these techniques to diagnose and operate. And some of those techniques can include endoscopy, respiratory support systems, chest cavity drainage, and heart assistance devices. And the training for a thoracic surgeon is six years. But again, there's another pathway of doing the general surgery residency first and then doing a few more years to subspecialize in cardiothoracic surgery. Next one I'll discuss is vascular surgery. So this is a surgeon that focuses on arteries, veins, and the lymphatic system. So it can really be any of those vessels, but... Most commonly, their bread and butter is the aorta, the carotids, uh, arteries of the lower extremities, and arteries that supply the kidneys is what they're operating on most. They can also use minimally invasive techniques like endovascular treatment, angioplasty, and intravascular stents as well. And their training is five years long. Or... You can do general surgery residency that's five years plus usually an additional two years to subspecialize in vascular surgery. The next one is neurosurgery or neurological surgery. I had the great opportunity to spend two weeks with a neurosurgeon during my fourth year as an elective. It was never something I wanted to go into personally, but I had to fit in a surgery rotation and I thought that this would be one of the more interesting ones. So the neurosurgeons, they have the longest length of training for any categorical residency. So that means a residency that you 
go straight into. So you commit right off the bat to seven years. Whereas a lot of these other specialties, your training could extend to seven or past seven years, but that is a categorical residency plus a fellowship that prolongs those years. But neurosurgery is something you can match right into and it's seven years long. These surgeons focus on the treatment of the brain, whether that's any sort of pathology or just pain that's affecting the brain, the spinal cord, and the peripheral nervous system, and all of its supporting structures like the meninges, the skull, the vertebrae, and the vascular supply for all of these structures. So the surgeon I worked with did do some surgeries with the brain, especially things like for hydrocephalus, but probably the majority of what he did was more back surgeries of the vertebrae that were compressing on peripheral nerves, causing nerve impingement and causing pain for patients. So it was really looking at a lot of imaging and then assessing patients in the clinic for their their candidacy for surgery, and then performing the surgeries a few days out of the week. So I think this is this is also something that you can carve out a niche for yourself, whether you want to do more of the emergent issues or if you want to do more central nervous system versus peripheral nervous system, if you want to do more of those uh, spinal fusions and uh, laminectomies, things like that. So, there's a pretty wide range of operations that neurosurgeons perform, and also great complexity, which is probably why that training is the longest. And typically, neurosurgeons are compensated the best out of any physician, um, though orthopedic surgery is close behind, if not matching it. And they can also use non-operative management, too. Um, in addition to surgery. So there's a a little bit of medicine involved there too. And they can commonly perform, like I said, spinal fusion, but also endovascular surgery and radiosurgery as well. And like I said, seven years is the length of training. So next is orthopedic surgery. Some of this can overlap with neurosurgery. I, I shadowed a few orthopedic surgeons before attending medical school, and one of them specialized in back surgery. So he was actually doing a lot of operations that neurosurgeons can do too. Uh, So the laminectomies, the spinal fusions. But orthopedics is not just the spine. They They can really focus on any musculoskeletal problems from a surgical standpoint. So that includes fixing deformities, dealing with trauma. They can also work with infections. These are the surgeons that will do um, amputations for really bad infections. Uh, They can treat tumors um, affecting the bones, and they can really deal with any sort of injury and also degenerative diseases. And the training for orthopedic surgeons is five years long. Uh, Like I said, they are also one of the highest compensations for doctors. And you'll see that with a lot of these types of surgeons, 
uh, probably with the exception of general surgery. But all of these subspecialized surgeons um, make the most out of out of doctors, typically and on average. I'm now providing several editing services specifically for medical students and pre-med students. I can help with editing your CV, personal statements, and applications, whether you're applying to medical school or to residency. I will catch your grammar and style mistakes and also provide feedback on content revision so you can craft documents that make you more competitive. There are so many expensive services out there that charge hundreds to thousands of dollars on reviews, which is why I am offering a much more affordable service with different price packages based on your needs. Use the link in my bio to learn more about the services I offer for individualized help. So lastly, plastic surgery is one that I would put in the bucket of being primarily a surgical specialty. And this is a surgical subspecialty that focuses on repairing repairing and reconstructing the skin, facial structures, so working with cartilage too. Uh, they can work on the hands and the extremities um, as well as the breasts and also the trunk. And sometimes it is for cosmetic enhancement, and I think that is often um, the stereotype of plastic surgeons that they're just doing cosmetic enhancement, but a lot of plastic surgeons also do things like grafts and taking care of burn patients and people um, with serious deformities from injuries or congenital conditions. But many plastic surgeons can carve out their niche, and do more of the cosmetic side. So they really require to have a special knowledge and also skill in performing surgery for grafts, flaps, and tissue transfer, replantation. They really require to know anatomy, physiology, pathology, to have surgical knowledge and also medical knowledge. And then, especially if you're doing cosmetic surgery, you really need to have a good ethical standpoint uh, to assess patients for need for this surgery. You are still a doctor, and these still are patients. They're not clients, and it's not like concierge medicine. You still assess patients as patients. Also requires a lot of interpersonal skills, creativity, and uh, attention to detail because you're working with such a delicate structure a lot of times. And the training for plastic surgeons is six years long. So those were the surgical specialties. So on the next episode, I'm going to go into to what I consider to be combined medicine and surgical specialties like anesthesia, dermatology, OBGYN, ENT, and I'll also go into specialties that I consider to be indirect patient care, even though individuals within those specialties will have varying amounts of patient interaction, but those I include diagnostic radiology and also pathology. So I'll talk about all of those in the next episode. Again, I encourage you, if you haven't already, to listen to my previous episode about how to choose a medical specialty that gives you an overview of what to think about with choosing any specialty within medicine. As a DO or an MD or a student, 
even pre-med student thinking in advance about it. And then I have the episode before this was going in depth into all of the strictly medicine specialties that also include some procedures, but do not do not involve work in the operating room typically. View the show notes for additional information about this episode and access the link to First Line's website. Don't forget to follow or subscribe to First Line on your favorite podcast app to hear a new episode every Monday. Thanks for listening.